Welcome to the Write It Down Podcast at Home Edition. I'm your host, Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. Up next is Dr. Mike Ronsis Bally, licensed psychologist and founder and CEO of Live Well Behavioral Health here in Rivard County. I'm super excited to have him on. He's the first um, doctor of psychology that I have had the privilege of interviewing, and we dive into all things mental health and faith and and just so many good um, avenues of our conversation. So I'm super excited to share this episode with you, you will feel encouraged and excited about your own journey to wholeness. You know what to do. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Welcome back to the Write It Down podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Murata. On the mic today, we have Dr. Mike Ronsis-Bally. Dr. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Brooke, what's happening? Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. Um, I'm glad I pronounced your last name right. Ron Valley is a well, mouthful. And do you have like a nickname? Do your clients call you or your patients call you Doc or Mike? So or I mean, I, 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 I'm fine if people call me Mike, but most of my patients call me Dr. Mike because my last name is just so crazy. <laughs> so they just, it's like, let's easier. Let's just go with Dr. Mike, but you can call me Mike. That would be awesome. Okay. Awesome. Well, Mike, I'm super glad to have you on here. You're a licensed psychologist and the founder and CEO of Live Well Behavioral Health here in Brevard County. Super excited to have you on and we can talk about mental health and all things um, concerning that. One kickoff question I have for you is, do you believe that everybody should be in counseling? Man, what an awesome question. Do I believe that everyone should be in counseling? I've I think my answer to, the, to that depends on what you mean by counseling. Like, I don't think that everyone needs to be in weekly psychotherapy, you know, where they're just yeah. digging through the issues every week, really trying to figure out what's going on, because you can reach a point in that kind of therapeutic experience where you just get almost like therapy fatigue. It's like, okay, I've been doing this for six months or, or eight months or, or some people a lot longer, and you need moments where you can go out and execute your, your skill set, right? Like I've learned all this stuff in therapy. So now I get to go live it. And that's what we want for people. Um, now, having said that, do I think that everyone can benefit from like a maintenance type therapeutic relationship with, with a psychologist or a counselor? 100%. I think having people in your life that you can just walk in and say, look, here's where I'm at. Here's what's going on. We have this shared history. I've known you for, for 10 years. I meet with you you know, once, once a month or, or twice a year, and I can just come in and start and you know me and we at that kind of relationship is invaluable. And I think that's what the healthy people do. Right. Well, yeah. and, and that being said, what's the main differences between, cause I use counseling and therapy interchangeably. So what yeah. are the main differences between um, counseling and, and therapy and even coaching? So what are the different approaches to a mental health regime? So it, it, to be honest, that question is asked all the time. And because of our field, we've kind of screwed it up in some ways. We have all these turf wars in mental health. So you've got psychiatrists and then you, you've got psychologists. And for years, the psychiatrists were the only ones that did therapy. And then the psychologists were like, well, hey, wait, we're doing testing, but we're more than capable of doing therapy and counseling. So they started to do therapy and counseling. And then mental health counselors, licensed mental health counselors came up and licensed marriage and family therapists. And so they started to want us 
say, hey, we can get in on the, on this act too. And at this point, um, therapy and counseling are kind of interchangeable. And the, those activities are done by mental health counselors, social workers, marriage and family therapists, psychologists, and even some psychiatrists. Coaching is different because coaching is is based on like the idea that I am healthy and I want to get healthier. Um, okay. So I, I, here are some goals that I have for my life and I want to work with someone that will help me go forward in those areas. And there's plenty of people that are in coaching that don't have any kind of mental health um, diagnosis, you know, anything like that going on. Many people in therapy and counseling don't have a, an official diagnosis. Lots of folks that come to our clinics um, don't, we don't have a diagnosis for them. They come to us, they pay cash. We're not billing an insurance company. Um, where, where the diagnostic questions really become relevant is if someone's billing insurance, then your insurance company will only pay if there's a diagnosis. Okay. Got so it. it. It gets super complicated. Yeah, no. Well, and, and the, the interesting things that I've picked up on so far is um, kind of echoing your first answer of, of people being in that maintenance category, right? Yeah. Because I think the generation um, before my generation, I'm a millennial born in the nineties. Um, the generation before us was like, you don't talk about your problems. You kind of keep it close to your chest and you just figure it out later. And then now all of a sudden everybody on ancestry.com has 400 other kids and no one knew about, and they were coping poorly, <laughs> but my generation is an over-emotional generation, so to speak, and the generation Gen Z coming up and everything is about mental health crisis. And it's almost like this tension of like, there's always something wrong. So there has to be like a beautiful balance there. So when it comes to somebody coming into your office, how do you assess what, what type of treatment they would need? I know there's probably a process. There is. And so the, the way we do it is someone will come in for a first appointment and that appointment is not a counseling session. It's an assessment. And whoever you're sitting with, whether it's a mental health counselor or a psychologist or even our psychiatrist, they, they will listen. And that entire, you know, 50 minutes, hour and a half is about them trying to just take all the information in and to paint a picture for themselves about what's actually happening in this person's life, like relationally, emotionally, spiritually, uh, even physically, like what are the, what are the big pieces of the puzzle that this person wants to move forward on? And then based on all the information that you glean during that assessment, at the end of the assessment, you, you give the client some options and you say, Hey, look, here's how we can go forward. You know, we can meet, once a week and, and we can begin to address these issues. Let's try to get your anxiety in check or, or let's try to get your depression symptoms under control. Um, other times we might recommend um, a, an intensive outpatient program. So we have, we have those kinds of programs at our office that are phenomenally successful for people that are dealing with depression, anxiety, stress, trauma, addictions. And an intensive outpatient experience might be like nine hours a week and it's a jump start, you know, where, where they come in and they're meeting with people and different therapists that are experts in, in specific areas that, that, that they can help people move forward in. And then over the course of maybe six weeks, they get this huge jump start and they go from, you know, a three on a scale of one to 10 to like a, an eight. And then they can move forward in, in regular outpatient 
after that. So I, I say all that to just give you different ideas about what kinds of therapeutic experiences people can have. And that is all decided during that initial assessment. Okay. And there are, and I, I want to tap your brain on a, on a few, I, I, I picked four and, and they could, they could be subsets of different ones as well, but you think of like anxiety and then you think of depression and then you think bipolar and you think schizophrenic. So right. what are some of the, um, I guess, threads throughout all of them? And then what do you find most common with that? And with, um, I know it's a loaded question, but with uh, misdiagnosis of those things as well. Yeah, man, that's a that's a big question. I I I look at it as problems of living, right? So problems that we would all have. I broke up with my boyfriend. Um, mm-hmm. I'm having problems in my marriage. I want a new career, and then another bucket of problems would be what I would consider more clinical issues. Okay. Um, so I, these problems are severe enough to where. They're now impacting me in very specific ways. So I meet the criteria for depression. Um, I can't concentrate. My motivation's off. I can't sleep well. My appetite's bad. I have low self-esteem, excessive guilt, maybe even some suicidal ideation. That's depression, right? Right. Um, That's different than a problem of living because you have these characteristic symptoms that play out in a certain way in a person's life. That, like those clinical issues are sort of a subset of what I call more severe mental illness. So schizophrenia, for instance, is, is that's a very difficult mental health problem to deal with. You're hearing things that are, are not, no one's talking, you're seeing things that aren't there. Um, many times medicines help address things that are more severe in nature very well. I can, I can speak with someone that's psychotic, like this, someone dealing with schizophrenia. I, I could do a session a day for, for 70 days. And it's really probably not going to make a much of a dent in the psychotic process. But if we get them on the right medication, right. You know, a lot of times those symptoms will go down. So that's sort of a brain chemistry. It's a brain chemistry thing. So, you know, depression and anxiety, uh, is their brain chemistry wrapped up in those processes? Of course. And some people reach a point where it really does help for them to get a kickstart from a medicine uh, to help relieve some of those symptoms, especially the vegetative symptoms, you know, some of the things like appetite disturbance or sleep disturbance. Um, but as the as a psychologist, I'm always going to say, even if you're on a medication and, and you feel like you you know you wanted that jump start, you still want to understand the underlying issues. Mm-hmm. Um, why am I depressed? Why am I anxious? So for me to just take Zoloft for the the rest of, of the the decade. Right. Doesn't really address why I, I got to this point in the first place. And so for us, that's what that's what we try to do is peel that onion back with people and help them begin to understand, you know, I, I, I there's a there's a there's a rhyme and a reason as to how I ended up here. Mm-hmm. And if I can if I can get to the bottom of that, then I'll be able to use coping skills right. to help myself feel better for the next five decades. We're going to take a quick break to discuss Write It Down's brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W-I-D-P-O-D.com, and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says Learn More. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. P.S. My favorite part about the website is the Wid Wall, which is a collection of all the Write It Downs from the show. This podcast is made possible by the 1513 Network. So, show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. 
If not, just stick with Write It Down, because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now, back to the show. And I love that word that you just used there, coping skills, because um, number one, I think that you you guys do a great balance of a holistic approach and a medicinal approach. And I think that you can balance both of the two, right? Instead of like, and I, I describe it like this, you could say, all right, rub this essential oil on your brain. You'll be fine. That's like overly like holistic. Like you just need to go out in the sunshine. Well, some people right. are doing all of these things and they still feel crazy. Right. right. So there is that balance of like, okay, there could be something off with your brain chemistry. So maybe you need to go on, you know, fluoxetine or Zoloft or whatever medication is best fit for you. And so I like that you guys have that balance and it's even in the name of your, uh, of your business live well, um, behavioral because it's, you're enticing people to live, not just survive and mm-hmm. to do it well. And that's what people are, are craving. And I also love what you said about coping because nowadays I feel like we don't know how to cope, right? If, if we want to cope, we're like, okay, let me just, let me just scroll here. I'll just escape my feelings or let me just, um, you know, if an anxious thought comes in or intrusive thought, um, or you hear something, if you can sit there and kind of use the tools that you've learned after being in an office or, um, in a clinical session, and you can use that while you're at the grocery store, it's huge. So that kind of segues me into my next question about, um, ERP therapy, EDMR, like the different types of more intensive therapies that you can go through to, um, begin to have a healthier mind. Yeah. So that's one of the cool parts about our field is there's been this progression over the years where we started to learn more and more about what helps people actually get better. Um, so there are some behaviorally anchored outcome studies that tend to support the idea that certain therapeutic techniques work better for certain problems. So for instance, if you're depressed or anxious, you really want to make sure you get with a therapist or a psychologist that understands cognitive behavioral therapy. Like Mm -hmm. that cognitive behavioral therapy looks at the link between thoughts and feelings and behavior. And so in any situation, relationship or environment, our narrative, like the way we think about us, our world, who we are in it, really generates our emotions. Right. And then our emotions drive our behavior. And so if you look at anxiety and depression as an emotion, you can step back and say, okay, wait, how am I, how am I generating some of those emotions? And how does it start in the battleground of my mind? I mean, if it, it, when people start to, to tease that out and understand those negative toxic thoughts that, you know, sometimes we just have a, a literal tape recorder running in yes, our head, it's a cycle. beating ourselves up 24 seven. If we can stop that in, in its tracks, we get better. So cognitive behavioral therapy will address depression and anxiety. Now, as we've, as we've moved forward, we understand that a certain kind of cognitive behavioral therapy called EMDR can be very helpful for trauma. So trauma lives in a different part of our brain. Your, your traumatic memories are not, they're not stored in the same part of your brain as, you know, the, the memory you have about how you drove to work today. Um, so in that trauma part of your, it's a very primitive part of the brain. Trauma is linked to emotion. And so EMDR, all it does is helps you process that emotion and that experience and remove the emotion from the memory. 
So right now, you and I probably have some traumatic memories that we've had and experiences that if we talked about it right now, we could feel something like, oh gosh, I remember when I, you know, that happened and like just gets me anxious thinking about it. EMDR can help people have thoughts about the experience, even triggers to the experience. I rode by, you know, the, the, the scene of the crime, where that happened, where, you know, I, I felt foolish or where I got attacked or, and I don't have that emotion that springs up automatically. EMDR is, I used to be, honestly, Brooke, I was a little, I don't know, like skeptical of it. Um, like, is this real? I, it's real. EMDR works. It's a, it, it is effective. And we've got, we've got some folks at our place that do an EMDR and, and they're phenomenal at it. Um, so there's other things you mentioned exposure with response prevention, ERP. So that's a treatment, another kind of cognitive behavioral treatment specifically for OCD. So we do a lot of that here as well, where you expose people to um, situations that are triggering, you prevent the typical response and, and you can actually extinguish the compulsive behavior. So yeah, all kinds of of technology that we're learning um, and can help people. We actually, I'll tell you this real quick. You ever heard of TMS? You ever heard of transmagnetic stimulation? No. Pretty amazing. Um, So it's a treatment for treatment resistant depression. Oh, wow. And some people go, they go to therapy for years. They've been on three or four medications and they just can't feel better. Like the neural pathways for depression are just so ingrained. Uh, TMS actually remap the brain. So the psychiatrist uses a, the technology is kind of like an uh, MRI, you know, the the magnets that they use in an MRI machine. And they use that to to literally scan your brain. Depressed brains have less electromagnetic activity than non-depressed brains. So they identify the parts of the brain that need more stimulations. And then they literally, they, they shoot that magnetic ray or wave into the brain to stimulate it. And it has almost a 78% success rate for people that have struggled to, to find relief from depression. It's wow. unbelievable. Wow. It's unbelievable. Yeah. That is incredible. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down Podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.